If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Side under the Believe Podcast Network. It is indeed a podcast about black science fiction, black fantasy, and staying on the same page as a family. Today is episode 106. We'll be discussing the first time swim lessons for this little bugger. Um, the American Gothic, Shock Rock, and the book Darkly. Show all three cameras for me, will you, Ben? Darkly by Leela Taylor. We are very, very excited to talk about this book. But before we do that, patrons, we love you, a.k.a. the Country Club. These are the people that take U.S. dollars out of their pockets in order to support the Wallen family. And you, too, can be one of those incredible patrons. You can find the link to our Patreon in the episode notes. So you can just scroll down at the bottom and you'll see that. A couple of quick patrons that we would love to shout out. Aaliyah Fruster, Skater, Erinique Jones, Rana M, Latoya Williams, Brittany, Jasmine, Venice, Connie McNair, Ashley Rivers, Serady, Tia, Kaylee, Caressa, Shania Armour, and Kendall Washington. We thank you. We're going to keep shouting out those patrons. But, oh, yes, really quick plug. Ben, please put this in the episode notes y'all I'm going to start a yoga series on Sunday it's just gonna be a 30 minute class I really miss teaching yoga what what, what you doing over there are you are you pepping me up are you trying not to interrupt me you're just doing it with your hands instead of your mouth but that's okay keep pepping me up baby I'm going to start doing a Sunday 30-minute yoga series for patrons only. I talk to so many people all the time that are like, Amber, I want to start yoga. I don't know where to start. And I've been missing yoga. I'm in L.A. now. We've been doing way more yoga, which I really love. And I just want to share the gift of yoga with all of you. So if you are a patron, that's going to start on Sundays. It's going to be at 9 a.m. P.T., noon ET and I will post the recordings in the Patreon as well so that we can all just learn how to breathe and use our bodies in a equanimous way. Ah, that was a lot. Ben, you did not say a word, baby. Are we are we on it today, baby? Are we on it today? Can we just take a moment to acknowledge the fact that this podcast used to be in a bathroom? And now it is, there's a space for it. I'm so excited for y'all to see us decorate this space in the in the coming weeks. We just moved into LA, but can, can we take a moment to acknowledge our growth? Our growth is happening. It continues to happen. We are going to be great podcasters, great parents. We don't have to shit where we podcast anymore. <laughs> why, why did you hesitate on that? We're going to be oh, because great podcasters, I'm, pause, great parents, another pause. I'm trying to be careful with my words. 
What do you mean? I'm trying not to swear as much anymore. Yeah, both of us. Because, you know, my, my greatest fear is that Wild's first word is going to be like, F you, mom. And then I'm just going to sob. But, Don't but take ben, it personally, though. But Ben thinks that that's not important. Ben's like, I should be able to cuss in front of her. What's the big deal? Yeah, it's they are words, and words only have meaning within the context they are being used. They are words. That's a bold statement. Yeah, they're words just matter. Words. words mean things. Yes, words mean things within context, but a word just in and of itself. Uh, so if she went to school just cussing up a storm, you wouldn't even care. Well, that's the context. If she writes her first sort of like rap album and she cusses on the rap album or she writes poetry, she cusses in the poem or she writes a novel and she cusses in the novel. If she writes a great book like Leela Taylor's Darkling and she has to use a quote that uses inappropriate language, go for it. Context is everything. Amber. Yeah, but what if she's just like F-U-Bs all over the playground? Well, then you'll cry, but you cry about everything. You cry about even... I'm going to cry, I'm going to scold her, and then I'm going to get in your A-S-S. Oh, wow. Ain't that right? Wow. She can spell, too. I've been... Oh, can she? So you, um, you speaking of crying, you, you cried ab- about a swim lesson. I most like, certainly yeah. did. I will... I, I posted it on Instagram, but I'll repost it on the Patreon. I We're, we're just going to send all of our love and good vibes to the Patreon, because I'm truly grateful for y'all. But yes, of course I cried. I, I, I know that I'm a big crybaby, I think... You know, black people crying in in the world is a beautiful thing to see sometimes, especially when it's tears of joy. But I just had a moment where I was watching you and Wild. Wild just started swim lessons on Fridays. And, you know, they only allow one parent in the pool. So obviously Ben dove headfirst into the waters like the mermaid that he is. And they were just, you know, having these beautiful moments of holding and splashing and kicking and singing. And I just got emotional because it's like... She's just growing so fast. I love you. Yeah. You know, babies can learn how to swim essentially by the time they're born. And which led me on a wonderful rabbit hole, internet rabbit hole of the aquatic ape theory. Have you heard of the aquatic ape theory before me? I have not. I saw this on the outline and was like, what is, what going, is going on with on? this? But I, I'm listening. My so, mouth shut. So essentially, the aquatic ape theory suggests that humans evolved near the coast instead of the savanna. And this is a theory that the great David Attenborough presented on a series called like the, um, the aquatic ape or something. And there is no evidence to support this theory. It was pr- first presented in the 70s. And there was lots of reasons based on, you know, the weird hair hair on our back, the fact that babies can swim when they're born. And so there's a reason to believe it, but there's no evidence to suggest. In fact, most evidence does continue to suggest that humans evolve on the savannah. And this is important, right? Because the BBC and David Attenborough, who is known for being like the sound of like reason and scientific like importance wildlife gives this completely bullshit theory credence on it one of the shows and i often get you know i get in amber's head uh, about her believing things without evidence yeah, he'll or be she'll like say, where did you find that on tiktok i'm like yeah. yes but there were yeah. peer-reviewed articles so hard at. but most times than not you'll say something i'm like that doesn't sound like a real yeah, story but i'm also talking about like 
the beef between Cardi B and Lotto. It's I, I'm not talking about like earth shattering, very important information. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. And sometimes there's no evidence to back that up. My point being said is that evidence is very important and people, even very well-known establishments will publish things that do not have evidence behind it. So if you ever find yourself, you know, bamboozled or saying something that you find out later to be untrue, don't worry. The BBC also messed up and so did the dear old, you know, David Attenborough. It's so interesting how strong body language and how you carry yourself and carry your words can can take you 80% of the way. Yeah, without evidence. Like if you, and, and we're seeing that now, you know, with celebrities and just, uh, I don't know, a whole presidential campaign was led on like, if I'm Lies. loud and if I say what I mean, yeah. you'll vote for me. Like that, that's the whole thing. It's and not a bad, that's not a bad impression. Wow. And it, thank you so much. I'm so disturbed by your impression. I have to drink <laughs> some of your coffee. That was like, Ooh. you know, the, 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 the virus that, you know, that, that's that, that's that bald one. We, we had years. We've heard to, this man so often that everyone, a lot of people, great actors can impersonate. Yes. But the thing yeah. is that, because I've done that before, I've been like, I'm going to talk confidently and I have no idea what I'm talking about. I actually fell, I don't want to say fell victim to this, but the other day I took this yoga class and this white dude just like confidently walks in and he's got like very strong body language and he speaks with authority and his class was absolutely horrible. It, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was horrible, but it did not give what I thought it would give based on how he carried himself yeah. and his bravado. And I, I remember thinking like, look at me again, get, giving this white man like props before he even proved himself. Yeah. And I know if someone a little bit less confident in their speech and a little bit like caved in in the shoulders taught this class, they would no longer be teaching here. Yeah. But because he carries himself with confidence he gets to stay on the roster and I see right through it. Cause you know, I'm a pretty dope yoga teacher, but I just remember thinking like, wow, you, if you just say some stuff confidently, like there's David Attenborough could probably cuss me out. Yeah. But if he said it with, and Amber, you are a cunt in the environment. I, I, I would just be like, yeah, yeah, that, that tracks, which is so insane. So I don't know. It's, I'm just going to continue carrying myself with authority like I know what I'm talking about on this show and throughout life. And I will just do my due diligence of trying to fact check myself. But sometimes when I don't, I mean, that's what you're for, right? Yes, that is true. And also, I want to leave everyone with a Bible verse because Bible verses uh, are important. Are we leaving? Are we leaving? First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse mm. 21 says, test everything, hold fast what is good. Right. I love that Bible verse. Obviously, many Christians don't test anything. They're like follow on faith, which, you know, I have opinions yeah, about don't that. Don't question God. Don't question. Da -da -da -da. But, yeah. but there is some gems within the Bible. Read Absolutely. the whole thing. Absolutely. Everybody should read the Bible and the Quran and, you know, the Bhagavad Gita and all, all the religious texts are very important. Bhagavad but I do, Gita. Bhagavad Gita. And uh, you should also read the Book of Mormon. Mormons do have a lot of power, and it's important to understand their context. Anyway, my point being is that test everything, hold it on to what's good. And I love that verse because it does help you 
approach everything, even the BBC, with that kind of mindset. Like, to recognize anybody has the potential to, you know, provide misinformation, to spread falsehoods, knowingly or unknowingly, and that's super important, so. And it's... It's so bizarre because it's just rampant. Like once yeah. once yeah. something gets off the rails, like you can't take it back. I, I know we don't really cover a lot of celebrity gossip on this podcast, but when I look stuff up, I hate when these like creators and TikTokers and rappers like immediately take a side on something or spread information because it's like, well, I'll get more specific. The, you know, that rapper PB and rock or something, please look it up. You know, this is me not having all the details, but he recently passed away and he like, alleged like i don't know he he was he did not pass away he was murdered in cold blood at at this um roscoe chicken and waffles i I think here um and this and and basically like kodak black who is just god awful but i mean he's a good rapper people support him people listen to him he basically spread a rumor that like this rapper's girlfriend was involved in him being killed and there was no basis or evidence to support that and then later kodak black recounts his statement and is like actually that was untrue my like my bad shawty like just some sort of like half-ass apology after of course this woman's been getting like harassed and and as she's mourning the loss of her her true love and it's just so bizarre because it's like nothing you can say at this point is going to take away the days of continue <laughs> if you're watching this on youtube uh wild wild say give me the mic i, I know what happened to this rapper Uh, nothing that you could say, like even when a newspaper prints a retraction, it's like in the footnotes of a newspaper. So you can't really take back in in the best way the 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 impact that you had before. And at least he apologized publicly or whatever. But at that point, I'm like, this family should sue him for for continued pain and suffering. Like, I, I just think it is so irresponsible when you have a huge platform to speak before you have any real information. Yeah, I got on your ass about, uh, you know, what's that man, the comedian who... Bob Saget. Bob Saget about... About yeah, him, because there you know, were some assaulting. alleged rumors that he had assaulted the Olsen twins. Yeah. Uh, sexually. Right. On, on the set of Full House. To which I did not go on the internet and say that. No, I was right. talking to a you're literal like, well, friend of mine like, in the privacy he... of my home. And I was like, I don't think he was that great of a guy. Like, he was kind of an asshole. And then there were some allegations that he assaulted the Olsen twins. And I continued my conversation. But Ben was like, no, no, no. Let me look this up. There's no, no basis to this. It was brought up at the roast at the roast of Bob Saget. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. Was... So Ben checked me in that moment. But also, like, I did not go and spread that on TikTok and spread that. But but you're right. I should fact check things before I start. Test that. everything. Hold fast to what is good. I love right. that. What's that? First Thessalonians? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. Test everything, but hold fast to what is good. Yeah. Got it. I think I think that would do a little bit better. It hit a little bit harder if it was just said in the reverse, you know? I mean, again, hold on this to what is, is it, good, but test everything. Sounds a little bit more fire. You could do that. In the translation of the, the Bible. First, Amber every, By the way, everyone should read translations, whether it's the Bible or anything, with serious questions because things are lost in translation all the time. All right, listeners, real quick. Remember that even you can start a forest fire fire, and even you can submit an Apple podcast review. So why don't you read an amazing review we found in? Inspirational. This is from Player844. I've been following you guys on TikTok for a while and I always felt like they were too short. I needed more of you guys so you can imagine my excitement when I found out you guys had a podcast. 
I'm also an African-American in love with a nerdy white man. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm sorry that that's your situation. That you're sorry that she's an African-American? No, I'm sorry she's dating a white nerdy man. Okay. Yeah, I guess there's two parts to that. (laughs) I'm sorry about the whole situation. Anyway. You you go ahead. All right. I'm also an African-American in love with a nerdy white man. For a long time, I always wondered if my differences would put a damper into my relationship. But watching you guys show me that I can be passionate about my history and can date a white man without having to tone myself down or betray my people. I'm so excited for your move to LA and hope to see Amber in upcoming shows and whether it be acting or showing off her amazing singing talent. Much love. Um, Asia from Wellington, Colorado. I'm going to guess that it's Asia. Asia, let us know if your name is Asia. Uh, thank you so much for that review because a big part of what we are talking about today is when black people do anything outside of, you know, dropping a mixtape and having a cookout. It's like, this is a white thing. That's a white thing. And that is just simply not true. Correct. So that is an incredible segue into the book darkly that we read so this book uh for those who should definitely go pick it up but it basically explores the question of you know what is afro goth and specifically what is gothic within an american context and what does the gothic mean for black americans and she sort of explores this question of like why can black kids not be goth, right? Like, you know, you've had experience with goth kids in high school, right? Yes. I'm not going to say that I was a goth kid, but I think Leela Taylor did a really good job in this uh, analysis, defining goth as just being on the outskirts of different subcultures. So basically goth kind of became a misnomer for like anything that's other. So as a young black girl interested in show tunes, I would definitely, I'm not goth, but I was definitely it more on the fringes of what you would traditionally assume would be like black kid things. Of course I was still into like destiny's child and Usher Raymond as a kid, but I was also very, you know, I was digging my Ashley Simpsons and I was there for Lindsay Lohan's era and so, yeah, I could I, I could sympathize with uh, kids who were really into anime or wore black lipstick or did punk. Right. Punk. And I think misnomer is a sort of a correct term because misnomer refers to something being inaccurately described. Right. So there's the goth aesthetic, which really has a very intense like American like punk reflection but when you talk about gothic literature it refers to you know haunted lovers creepy mirror mirrors like haunted mansions there's all these things of like the double in which you have like you know hidden twins and um so there's gothic literature and then there's like goth style i I don't know if a misnomer would be necessarily maybe the best term it's a misnomer if you're talking about gothic literature and you're thinking about like gothic aesthetic but you know she she does make this point like she grew up liking goth kind of rock right which is all you know wearing all black and she was sort of you know shamed for that or in the sense that what she writes about as like she cannot be black and be that way but she makes the argument actually <laughs> to be black right, to just have black skin itself is an expression of the gothic. It's having a very close relationship with death uh, and having a very close relationship with, you know, the the terrifying. uh, And and she does this, she describes this in a really, really beautiful 
kind of way using both her personal experience and history. Yes. And you really feel validated if you were, you know, air quote, a weird, a weird black kid, or if you were a kid that was called an Oreo for liking different things, which I definitely was just like anything I did not like that was not like hip hop 106 in park. It was like, you white, you like white classes. It's just like, I am in <laughs> an advanced math class. I, I, I don't think white people own math, but it, it just becomes that. And she talks a lot in her book about how we just, uh, on page 25, it says here, there's an acceptance of weird whiteness, an assumption that there will always be white folks on the fringes of society. And so that cannot be true of black people or or this is why people do it to black kids it and it says um here on page 26 because adding an extra layer of oddity on top of an already marginalized group flies in the face of respectability politics and questions the validity of so-called black authenticity so it's like well we're already weird because we're black we're already othered because we're black so we can't be other othered um but you can be and so she really talks about why society isn't as accepting of black goths and um, why all of that is BS, which I really, really appreciated because we didn't have this rhetoric as a kid, but, but we saw it, right? Like she talks here about like Erica Badu and FKA twigs and Andre 3000. And Zinni Rockland's book, flowers, flowers for the sea. That is Gothic. That's a Gothic, neo Gothic book that we, we covered here. She also like, she she takes American history and she points out this like weirdness within it, particularly around black people. And she has this whole bit where she talks talks about the two fifth compromise, which is essentially how our current, you know, political system is based on where the amount of votes you get, you know, for presidency is based of how many people who live in your state. AK eight, AK eight, AKA the um you know, the electoral college. And because the Southern states didn't really have a lot of people, they wanted to count slaves as people so that they could get more votes in the electoral college. Therefore, we get the two-fifth compromise that says that you could count every single black person as a two-fifth of a person, right? And so again, this is a great example of why the electoral college is based in a racist ideology. But then she says, okay, If every person is two-fifths, what happens to the other three-fifths of that person? Are they, like, floating around thoroughly? And and she sort of explores this, like, really creepy, or in her term she uses over and over again, spooky idea within American history of when we other black people, it's been done in this very systematic and gothic way, a.k.a., you know, the two-fifths compromise. And I, I think she, her redefining of like spooky is so great. She talks about get out, right? Where, mm-hmm. where the, for the American Gothic, it's not the haunted mansion, it's the suburbs, right? right. Like that, you know, that opening scene where like Keith Stanfield is like walking down the street. He's like, Ooh, it's, it's spooky out here. Yeah. And you're like, Oh wait, what? Like, it's not the haunted mansion. It's the, it's the very familiar. It's the, that that is the true monster, and where there are just pockets of like hate and fear of of the unknown, and and that's 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 an area that can could do the most harm and have the most gore, and so obviously Jordan Peele was brilliant for putting that there, but also and then 
to, to further that, she also talked in the book a lot about how Jordan Peele's movie was like nominated for like best comedy or something yeah, yeah. At, at the I remember that Golden Globes, I want to say. And, and how even like and it's like on the screen and off the screen, like we, we just continue to other like very clear, explicit works of art, which is kind of what the whole like Nicki Minaj um, argument has been about this week. But I'm not, I won't get into that. But yeah, yeah I it, mean, you brought it up, so you got to get into just like it mislabeling things is like this is just like a hair short. Like Nicki Minaj has yet to win a Grammy, and she released a song recently, and that's like very explicitly and clearly. Ra- I'm not a barb. I'm not like I like Nicki Minaj. I think she's talented, but she can just be very, very messy. But like when we talk about the music, this this song was very, very clearly rap, and it's being nominated as like a pop album for the a pop song for the Grammys, and it's kind of just like why is this happening? Like this. This is exactly what it is. Um, and, and so going back to the Jordan Peele argument, Jordan Peele was like, this isn't even a horror movie. It's low-key a documentary. So yeah. like, if you want to take it there, we can take it there. Yeah, nominate me for a documentary. Or um, the other thing that she points out is that uh, the relationship with um, Black Americans with death is a little bit more intimate. And death is so critical for the gothic aesthetic, thinking about death, writing about death. Mm -hmm. And uh, something that I want to do with you, actually, Amber, is like plan our own funeral. Yes, we got this. uh, There was a part, I I cannot remember what page it was on, but like Ben said, they were talking about death in the book. And this one woman on Pinterest a long time ago, I I will definitely go back and find her name and all of that. But this one woman on Pinterest decided to basically make like a pin board planning her own death. And she said something to the effect of like, well, I don't know if I'll ever get married, but I do know that I will die one day. And so mm-hmm. I want to just like go ahead and plan that celebration of life, which is actually super cool. Like, I guess like some people would cringe at the thought, but are you asking me to plan my own funeral right now? Like what would be some key elements of it? Yeah. What, what do you Absolutely. want? Absolutely. Obviously I've been thinking a little bit about this. So one thing Look that at you I being know, goth. I am goth very Amber. Goth. I, I haven't decided yet on what colors I want people to wear like black versus white or anything like that. But I do know Purple. that I would love, I do not want a funeral. I feel like I've told you this before. I want some sort of party and I need a karaoke element to that party. Okay. It can be songs that reminded you of Amber. It can be just like anthems, but I just want one huge like singing party. I want there to be like plants everywhere. Like have it at some sort of conservatory or something. I do not want a eulogy from some preacher. I definitely did not know. I want someone to host an MC. I want there to be some drag queens there and I want karaoke to be involved. And then obviously there can be like a huge portrait of me. Maybe I'm naked in the portrait. Maybe not. Maybe it was painted. I'm not sure, but there needs to be a performance element to my funeral. Now Uh, you go. Oh yeah. I want, I want to be hiked up Mount Everest and then sort of, I'm burned, so like hire somebody to climb out Everest and then just, you know, shake me out all over. And I want all my organs hold on, hold on, hold on, to be, to be either donated, like I, you know, how they freeze dry organs and they, you can go to the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago and you can see these people's organs that are just spread out. It's almost like you know, freeze dried fruit is like the best way, and it's sort of in this glass. So I want to be, I want to be organed donated and then the rest of me just burned and spread out 
or like maybe fertilized like if we have a garden with a backyard put and fertilized in the garden so you know i can go back and sort of provide you know nutrients for the worms or whoever needs them all right i'm with you with your remains being scattered in the garden i'm with you with your organs being donated but whom will be Hiking you, up you Mount can, Everest you can hire, to scatter your ashes. Well, I, I, I guess mean, I just people, need to plan to die before you. People climb Mount Everest all the time. So you just be like, hey, carry this little extra like bag. I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot of me. Just put it in a tiny bag or even just a little capsule. I just want some of me to make it up to Mount Everest at some point in my life. That's, you know, we it's, could it's just, we could just try to maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm, my, I'm, I'm too out of shape for that. But maybe we could just try to climb it while you're alive. No, like we don't have that capability. In but our... but we have it in death. Yes, I think so. I have a better chance of climbing Mount Everest in death with like <laughs> parts of my ashes. Um, but yeah, so I mean, this makes it a little bit easier to talk about because you know you've tried to get like insurance paperwork and stuff together yes. before, like what we leave to wild and stuff. And I'm kind of like, why are uh, we talking about this? Yeah. You've also, you've also cried about that. Or like we took, you take life insurance on both the baby and yourself. And it's important to embrace these kinds of things that people, the, these fringe ideas, like whether it's, you know, you know, terror, murder, um, the, you know, your own death and, and really approach that and reflect on that. You know, one of the, and, and a lot of people don't want to think about these things. People don't want to think about death. And a big part of um, the American Gothic that comes up is music. She writes a lot about music in Darkly. And one mm-hmm. of the uh, sort of, a, again, on the more depressing note, she writes about the story of Strange Fruit and how Billie Holiday was repeatedly told, like, do not play this. Like, do not sing do not this song. Do not perform this song. Do not perform this song. And, but the strange fruit is a gothic song and it's this combination of both a beauty of Billie Holiday's bringing her incredible voice with the, the terror of the lynchings that were happening. Can I just read for a second the scene? Because it's not even just, it's not even the power of Billie Holiday's words and it's not even just the her beauty and her voice whenever this song was sang and the band played it it was an entire experience and i would love <laughs> not to be all beyonce about it but i was i but but i really love when we as a culture decide to like play this song in the purest form that it was meant to be like no phones out no whatever so i'm just going to read for you the scene that Leela Taylor set that would happen when this song was sang at Cafe Society Nightclub in New York. Okay, so this is on page 139 if you get this book. Again, so, so good. The story goes that when she finished singing, the crowd was dead silent until one person began hesitant clapping. In my head, I see the classic slow clap, clap, clap as a brave as a single brave person rises slowly to their feet in ovation. Then a few more join in, and then a few more, and the applause grow and grow. The song would become her signature, and her performances were legendary. She always closed her set with Strange Fruit. It was the last song of the night, 
Waiters, cashiers, and busboys all stopped service, and the room would be completely dark except for a spotlight on Holiday's face at the Birdland nightclub in New York City. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this word. The, the Mater de confiscated all... So somebody confiscated all cigarettes before she started singing so there wouldn't be any extra light. When she finished, the spotlight went out, she walked off the stage, and never went back to take a bow. Like, that is how this song was saying like no cigarettes which at that time you know everybody was smoking in clubs and everything no cigarettes no additional noise spotlight center stage she would sing this haunting song spotlight off and exit and that performance art really is what you know added to the gravitas and like the um the 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 lingering impact of the song. And Lila Taylor also talks about how after that, people, like, this is not a song. Some songs don't need covers. Some songs do not need to be covered. And um, I talked about um, Annie Lennox, who we love. I love a sweet dreams. She would sing this song as a cover sometimes. And people would obviously interview Annie Lennox and be like, hey, you know, maybe... Maybe not. You got a lot of great songs. There's lots of songs you could potentially Maybe cover. Maybe Strange don't Fruit. sing Strange Fruit and Annie Lynx will be like, well, no, because it's a song about violence and it's a uh, violence is something that affects everybody in our society. Mm. And it's like, no, this is a song about lynching and a specific group of people being lynched. And it was not intended for you to just perform at your festivals hither and thither. Um, so yeah, when we talk about like, and you know everybody likes to be like but it's just a song but it's just like but but that's that's all lives mattering the situation like this song has incredible impact incredible meaning and it shouldn't be covered by everybody like no, i said it it, it should not. not well i think this is just a very classic example of someone trying to take music and and like make it about them right Correct. Like, or or just take trying to or taking anything out of context like it's I, just hair what's yeah. the big deal it's like well like these or, locks and a black person's lock journey is very essential to their culture like so it's not just hair it's not just a hijab it's not just words like yeah. these things have meaning <laughs> or i i should say more of like someone seeing something very cool like the this the way billy holiday sings this song is romantic cool and also terrifying and haunting and i think people hear that they're like i want to be part of that too i want to see that and, and join into that too but the thing is is that when my and Leela taylor points this out is that when white people do that with black with black people things there's really not a consequence to that so much right where a a black person might attempt to adapt, you know, a white cultural kind of thing, whether it be like Gothic literature or the Gothic aesthetic. And then they're told you cannot do that. Well, the right? reality also was, is that like Billie Holiday was also prosecuted, you know, the United States versus Billie Holiday. Like they literally were trying to accuse her of inciting a riot with this song. So it's like there were consequences for Billie Holiday singing yeah. the song. So how dare you just try to like play this as the closing song at your festival and, and, and chop it up to like, 
yeah, but it's just about violence, which is something we can all relate to. Like, it is not. Like, no. black people were lynched, and then there were postcards that you could get at those lynchings to commemorate Co- your experience, like souvenirs. You would collect. So I don't want to hear that this is just about violence. It ain't. It ain't. Uh, also, one of the things on the topic of music is that she sort of gives great context for the guy who sang the song, um, I Put a Spell on You, Screaming Jay Hawkins. Right, right. And he, I did not know this, but he was the inventor of shock rock. So think of like Alice Cooper or, you know, Ozzy Osbourne biting, you know, the head off of a pigeon or Rob Zombie, who just did these really weird, gothic, terrifying things. Screaming Jay Hawkins was the first motherfucker to do that, and he was a black man. And so Alice Cooper, you know, Rob Zombie, that has often been portrayed as this is for white kid music. But no, the start of this is a black man. And again, she constantly goes back to saying like, hey, to be black is to be goth. To be goth is... Um, is to embrace the black. And so uh, as both an aesthetic, but also as a, as a, a way of approaching the world, seeing the darkness and this, and, and not in a bad way, she never associates darkness as evil, right? It's something of, of beauty. <laughs> screaming, yeah. screaming, screaming Jay, Jay Hawkins. Hawkins. Uh, speaking of uh, embracing the black, I just, I, I cannot put this book down. I wanted to point out a scene in the book where she talked about preferring black to african-american not to like drag the person who wrote a review because they called themselves african-american but i too uh have always preferred black and i remember me and some other could you find what page it's on i i thought i put like the page numbers in that Uh outline i sent you but i don't see them um, but I too prefer being called black to African-American because like she, she talks about a little bit in the book that, you know what, let me just say it in her words. Uh, but I, but I remember thinking that feeling that way when the term BIPOC started to become popular, um, because it, it feels just today. It, it, it seems like today. Are you okay? It seems like people are afraid to say black. Like, uh, like black is not offensive to me. I know some people prefer African-American, but I, I like the word black. I like being black. I'm proud of black culture. So I remember when BIPOC became a thing, which is like black indigenous people of color. I think it's like black comma indigenous comma people. Can you look that up before I, I do exactly what I was talking about at the beginning of the show? Um, but I, I think that term, right, was meant to specify... Like, and, and and include indigenous people or yeah. black and indigenous people. Black, indigenous, and people of color. So it's trying to fuse um, everybody together who are non-white. So it's demonstrating right. solidarity between communities of color. So the purpose, the intention of BIPOC was to make it very distinct because sometimes when we talk about people of color, we, we loop all people of color in. And the reality is, is there is a spectrum of like the Asian experiences versus the black experience. And before people were just like, well, people of color, all of y'all. And it's like, we have faced very different instances and levels of racism. Within, in, the, in within the American context. Within America, yeah. exactly. So and like I, black and indigenous people being first, black, indigenous, and, and people, then people of color. People of color. Right, instead of just chopping it all up yeah. to like, 
Well, all people of color suffer from blank. It's like there's levels to this shit, Mike. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying, obviously, like, stop Asian hate. And, and there are tons of different movements that have happened. But when we talk about, like, the varying levels of, like, Africans being enslaved in the United States, y'all know what I'm talking about. So, so that, so that term was created to make those distinctions, but it has then in turn done the very thing that it meant to do. It, it, what? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it ends up looping everybody together. So like you go to the, by the BIPOC shelf, right? Yeah. And, and like I remember it's a marketing right. scheme yeah, basically it is. <laughs> to sell books. It's like how, sell... yeah. Are you keeping up to date with the new terms and stuff? And I remember one time, um, one of my like white passing Puerto Rican coworkers being like, well, I'm BIPOC. And I was like, no, you're not. And she's like, well, it says black indigenous and people of color. I'm the people of color part. I was like, then why wouldn't you just call yourself a person of color? She's like, well, the term is but." And then we were both just like, you know, let's just go get some ice cream. Like it, it like we should just say, I should just say I'm black and you should just say you're Puerto Rican. Like we're, we're cool. I know, but again, this all comes down to like white supremacy because right. if she's Puerto Rican, she probably has black ancestry. Because Correct. Black, Correct. Because you know, you know, Af- stolen Africans. Yes, but the looping taken. together of everybody yeah, in this it, term it, didn't help <laughs> the people in the term or the people out of it. it well, helps, for me, it in helps, my opinion, it in helps my opinion, sell books. Correct. So this is what Leela Taylor said, <clears throat> page ninety-five. I prefer black to African American. The latter excludes others of the diaspora living in America and has connotations associated with the descendants of slaves brought here from Africa. Not all black people were slaves and not all black people in America came from Africa. There's also a formality to it that smacks of the classification efforts in the 18th century. While black people have fought hard and are still fighting to be seen as American, the moniker rings false to me. It's like trying too hard, the the moniker African-American. Since the scientists of white supremacy decided that we had to be something else, since they had to become white in opposition to whatever it is that we are, the term kept shifting from the ones we were given to the ones we were take, the term shifts from the term we are given to the term we take ourselves. Think about nigger versus Negro, African versus Afro-American, Colored versus people of color. The one that remains through all the socio-political movements is black. And it is the one I prefer most of all. And the reasons why I love the color black. She talks about that. Oh, let me, let me keep going. Cause it's, cause she's preaching right here. Black, right? It's clean, direct. There is nothing indecisive about black. Black is it's strong. Like I hope to be and a bit aloof. Like I sometimes am. I prefer black. Because black contains multitudes because it is everything and it is nothing, which is like mic drop. Yeah. She, a lot of her book is this like very personal self, self reflection. It it is an absolute keeper. I would say everyone needs to buy this book. It is, I mean, I I don't know what else to say about it. Can I say one more thing about it? Another thing. So the last thing I'll say, and raise raise your hand, maybe you're driving or something, but raise your hand if you're a black person whose skin has keloided. So it's kind of like an additional scar left behind from like an initial scar. Like my, my arm is bruised right here, but it is fully keloided. Um, And so she does a really good job of explaining 
how the wounds of slavery is like a keloid, right? So on page 97, she says, the healing process from the wounds of slavery is more of a keloid. It is. It's a keloid and it hurts, doesn't it, Wiggles? The original cut. Uh, yeah, hold on. Well, she's not. No, she's got it. She got it. <laughs> Here, let me take her. She is so affected by that keloid. You got her, baby. <laughs> yeah. This is the last thing. I swear, this is the last thing. Okay, she's good. She's good. And I, and I promise I'm I, I feel like, hey, baby, this is actually ironically from the chapter when doves cry. And I, I, I feel like I feel like you're a dove right now. OK, last quick thing, last quick thing. The healing process from the wounds of slavery is more of a keloid to me. The original cut might have healed over, but something bigger and more resilient took its place. Something that over time mutated into its own creature. So that, like whenever people are like, slavery doesn't exist anymore. Slavery is like the original wound has healed, but there is something new that has morphed and and it's very visible still. And that is just the best metaphor I've ever heard for just like, the on ongoing traumas of America, like a keloid. That that is all. And so, as you can see, like stylistically, she's just so on the nose. She's so spot on. I learned so much. Even I, I obviously knew a lot of the big cultural things after reading this. I knew about Screaming Jay Hawkins. I knew about like Emmett Till, Billie Holiday. Um, but I did not know about <laughs> Black Punk, Black Gothic. And I am so incredibly grateful that I read this book. I cannot recommend it enough. Please read this, y'all. Happy spooky season. All right. That I mean that's that's your conclusion. I don't need to say anything else to that. Really? Yeah, let's let's talk about what we're doing next. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the, another episode of the Sci-Fi Side Podcast. Up next, we will be talking about vampires, y'all. Vampires, bad parenting, and gore while we read the comic book Philadelphia Volume 1 created by Rodney Barnes. Be sure to pick up Philadelphia by Rodney Barnes and we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.